No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Glad you found us. I think it's pretty cool that you 
found us and turned us on and turned yourself on. And as a matter of fact, that's what we're going to be talking about. How did you get turned on? What brought you there? What experiences did you go through to get yourself quote unquote on the bus or turned on? You know, I, I sat for a while thinking about what kind of podcast I would want to listen to, like what kind of things would I want to hear talked about? And there's so many out there. There's so many different things you can listen to. You can listen to scary stories and you can listen to Rogan and Duncan and, you know, all these different psychedelic podcasts and all these things, but it's all been done. And, and I was thinking, you know, if there was something especially for me out there, what would I want it to be? And I think it's really cool to hear the stories of fellow psychonauts, other travelers, other seekers, and hear how they got to where they are now. Um, you know, not so much digging into like the dogma of the psychedelic experience itself or digging into like, you know, the, the third wave, what they're calling it, how like, you know, psychedelics are having this renaissance. Now all that's happening and, and we're part of it. And I'm proud to say that I'm a part of it. But I think since all that's been done, uh, it'd be cool to hear everybody's stories, man. It, it would be really cool to hear, you know, about your first Grateful Dead show or the first time you dropped acid with your older brother or the first time you went to a national park on a hiking trip and your buddy had some mushrooms or, you know, um, when you were sitting in a car and you were 15 years old and you were listening to the doors and it all of a sudden made sense. That's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be talking about those stories. We're going to, over the next few episodes, you're going to meet everybody that lives in the house with me. So you guys got to understand where we're coming from. We're I'm recording right now sitting on a porch. Uh, you could maybe hear the goats rutting in the background and you can hear the birds chirping and you might hear a plane fly over some construction noise and then hey man that's that's all part of it um i thought about that too i was like man you know i could sit inside the house in the basement or in one of the rooms and have it be all quiet but really who gives a shit like i want to hear where you're at both in your head and out um so i'm recording on this porch um, there's birds chirping. I'm watching a squirrel jump around in the tree out here. And then inside my house, there's four other people that live here with me. Uh, we got my wife, Melanie, who you'll meet, my nephew, Ryder, my buddy, Apple, and my son, Simon. And the five of us live here in beautiful Portland, Oregon, and are experiencing the beauty and the splendor of summertime here in Western Oregon. Now, you guys got to think about this. For the last 28 years, I lived in the desert. Like, not just the desert, but Vegas. Now, not to disparage Vegas, it's where I grew up. It's my hometown. But Jesus Christ, man, the summertime, it's like 115 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning. It sucks. It really sucks. Like you get in the car and you put on your seatbelt and you fucking, the, the metal, if you touch that metal, you are branded for life. 
Like, I've got scars on me from the seatbelt in my car. I've actually gotten in my car after a hard day's work and looked at the thermometer in my, in my car and it's read 125 degrees. No human being should live like that. So we picked up our shit, loaded up a U-Haul, and moved to Oregon. I'm sitting outside right now. It is 62 degrees. And it's July 4th. Check that out. I'm used to, like, on the 4th of July, melting. And this is a wonderful change of pace. So I digress. The five of us live in this wonderful place together. And we always sit out on our porch. We sit out here. This is our living room, basically. And we have these conversations. And through talking to each other, we were like, you know what? This would make a really good podcast. Like, getting to hear these conversations outside of ourselves and then also bringing other people in. How cool would that be? So this is what you've tuned into. You're going to hear everybody's stories from professors to local psychonautic pioneers to Grateful Dead fans to Rainbow Family to the Wookiee in the parking lot. Um, Everybody. So we hope you enjoy uh, and take it easy. Hey there, it's Aaron again. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about myself. If you're going to be listening, I know for myself, it's nice to know a little bit about the people I listen to. Uh, One of my inspirations for even picking up the microphone and starting this podcast was the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Shout out to you, Duncan. Man, you got me off my ass and you really inspire me to start creating something. And even if it's a gigantic piece of shit, well, it's my piece of shit and I created it. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can meet in the real world someday. Anyway, getting to know me. Wow. Uh, sometimes I wonder if I know me. Fuck. I. A little bit of backstory. Yeah. I grew up in California in the seventies and we're talking, you gotta, you gotta kind of put yourself in the mindset. Like there's no computers yet. There's no fucking cell phone. If you want somebody's phone number, you got to pick up this big heavy book called a phone book and look through these things called the yellow pages and find it. If you're going to go to your friend's house, you got to call them on the phone, not text them because there was no texting. Call them on the phone, get a piece of paper, find a fucking pen, have them tell you how to get there and you write down the directions and then you keep that piece of paper with you in the car. And you drive to their house. I know it's mind blowing and it seems like we were probably rolling on stone wheels like the Flintstones and, but that's how we grew up. So yeah, the seventies and only thing on TV was after school, you got like a couple of hours of cartoons and then maybe some sitcoms and then the news. And there was like 10 channels, no cable. So as a kid, I loved music. Anything musical, I loved it. Uh, Sticks, Blue Oyster Cult, 
the Moody Blues, the Doors, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix. It was always on. My parents were really musical people. They they weren't musicians, but there always seemed to be music on in the car, at home. I come from your typical nuclear 70s split family. Mom and dad divorced when I was four. Uh, but things get a little weird there. So check this out. My mom is a trapeze artist. She flew on the fucking trapeze ever since I was a little kid. That whole side of my family are circus people. So basically, yeah, I come from the circus. And then you got my dad. Hollywood movie producer, director, writer. No, you've never heard of anything that he's done, but he's an awesome guy. So I grew up in these two houses, man, like... One in in Malibu in California and then the other in Vegas and running around Circus Circus and baking in the desert. But there was always the one thread was music. It was always on. And I remember as a kid, like, uh, I guess the furthest back I can remember is like fifth grade when I started opening up to different things and feeling like I was different than everybody else. And I remember a health class that we had and the teacher had this, this case and it blows my mind now because I think about if they tried to pull this shit now, there would be cops at the school. So teacher had this case and it was like a black Naga hide fucking briefcase with like the metal snaps on it that make that clicking noise when you pop them open. And she, she comes into the class and she clicks these two things open and opens up this briefcase. Inside is like plexiglass and behind the plexiglass is like every drug you can imagine. Joints rolled up, a bag of weed, a little vial of cocaine, a little sheet of acid, some meth, a syringe with some heroin, like the real shit there in school and telling us how evil and awful all this stuff was. And they made us watch this movie about LSD. Oh, I remember this. And I just remember it was like that really bad B movie style, like where you could see like the burns in the film and the flicker of like people taking acid and then the camera going in and out and be all all weird and, and they like the flight of the flying turkey and this guy's like waving his arms and freaking out like girls in the fetal position crying and my fucked up head I'm like wow that's super interesting I want to know what that's about like it didn't scare me one bit it made me interested so thanks public education I appreciate it you made me who I am today despite yourselves anyway so I remember seeing this case full of drugs and just thinking I want to know what every one of those feels like like honest to god that's one of my first memories as a kid isn't that that's awful if you think about it in a way but kind of rad anyway so I start getting interested in this stuff but I'm a little kid and we've all got that uncle or that brother that that smoked weed when we were a kid. And I, I remember the first time I smoked weed with my uncle on the side of the house. And I remember the, the rolling paper that he had was an American flag. And it's 4th of July today, so that's kind of poignant. But it was an American flag joint. And I we smoked and smoked and smoked. And I coughed. And I was in like sixth grade, man. And nothing happened. 
but I was a little kid. So like, I, you know, I acted high, which I thought was high, but I was like acting drunk from smoking weed. And I'm sure I was like the most annoying human being on the planet back then, but it was awesome. I just remember feeling like, Hmm, there, there's gotta be something more to this. Why are we, why are all the grownups doing this shit? And if it does nothing, it's got to do something, man. But being a kid, I didn't know where to get it and whatever. And I was watching cartoons and jerking off and whatever. So I, I didn't pursue it really. And then a few years later, junior high school rolls around and I'm, I'm 13 years old. And I have these two older brothers that are like, hardcore into the punk rock scene in Las Vegas and pretty scary dudes. It, it, when thinking back, like I always felt like when I went out with my older brothers, there was a possibility that we could die or get shot or robbed because of something that they did. And as a kid, man, that was like the most enticing, awesome thing because as a kid, if you think about it, like all you're looking for is some fucking excitement. You wake up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, you go to school, you listen to this teacher drone on, you watch these fucking TV shows. And it, this is the 70s. We didn't, again, have computers and video games and all that shit. And then you go to sleep and you do it again. So as a kid, like, I want to ride my bike off a cliff. I want to, you know, jump into a mud hole or stick my finger in an electric socket. Something that'll be fun. Jesus Christ. So I have these two crazy older brothers and they're willing to hang out with me. And I remember the night, man, where we're in my brother's room and they were getting ready to go to the movies and they, they were going to see the new Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom movie. And I really, really wanted to go with them. And my older brother was like, if you want to go, you have to eat this piece of paper. I didn't know what acid was or LSD. I was a 13 year old kid. And the fuck did I know? I was like, okay, all I got to do is eat a piece of paper and I can go to the movies with you guys. Cool. So I eat this little piece of paper with this black pyramid on it and we get in the car and we drive to the movie theater, whatever. I didn't think twice about it. Holy shit. I get into the movie theater. I sit down and I start to come on to 1980s era, double dip black pyramid LSD. And I am tripping balls. And I remember laughing my ass off. And I remember my brothers were going to kick my ass because they were like, everybody's going to know we're high and you won't fucking stop laughing, you little idiot. But somehow I we safely made it home. I, I don't know how we got there. And I remember that night having a revelation. Now, you got to understand, this is a 13-year-old kid we're talking about here, wet behind the ears, doesn't know shit. And I drew this picture that night of a circle. And I was like, this is us. And I drew a dot in the middle of the circle. And I was like, the outside of the circle is the layers of bullshit that get added onto us as we grow up. We know who we really are when we're little. And as we get older, we get these lines drawn around us that we, we put there to make ourselves act like other people and think like other people and shit that we've seen and sh things that we've done. Dude, I was fucking 13 years old. So that's a that's an informative experience at 13 years old. So from that point on, it was off to the races for me, man. I I was hooked. And not in the 
after school special hooked. I, I, I was hooked and I, I couldn't get out. No, it wasn't like that. It was, it was wonderful, man. I, I found this other world where my misfit circus Hollywood ass kind of fit in. And with these other misfit weirdo people that felt like they didn't fit in. And together we were kind of a tribe. And I got into the punk rock scene in Las Vegas in the 80s, and that was my family. You know, coming from a split home, it's tough sometimes. And never really felt at home anywhere, always moving around and, and being shuffled from one house to the other. And But that really became my family. And out of high school, I had this buddy in L.A., and I remember him telling me, hey, man, you know, you got to go see the Grateful Dead. And I, I, I just remember thinking, I don't want to go see them. They're awful. Like all I had ever heard was like Casey Jones and trucking. And I don't want to listen to that country shit, I, you know, whatever. So I put him off for a while. And in, in the meantime, my, my buddy that lives with me now, Apple, him and I were living together at his house and we were taking acid all the time and eating mushrooms and listening to shit like Hendrix and the doors. And, you know, I felt like what we were experiencing was like this secret club that only we knew about. It was this, this private little world that we could go into. And we had one over on everybody outside of us because nobody knew about that secret place. And it, it was really cool. And then Remember my friend in L.A. finally was like, hey, we bought you a ticket to the Grateful Dead show here in L.A. at the Forum. This is in like February of 89. He's like, all you got to do is get down here. So I was like, fuck it. OK, so I grabbed in my I grabbed my shit and I jumped in my 1966 beat up piece of shit Chevy Impala. And I drove to L.A. and I went to his house and there's all these people wearing tie dyes and smoking pot and I was like okay whatever and I'm this punk rock kid from Vegas with the mohawk and a misfits t-shirt and I'll fuck kick these hippies ass god damn it and we go to the show and this and you gotta think about this this guy had like the cleanest liquid acid ever and before the show he's like here take these three drops and we're gonna go into the show it'll be awesome you're gonna have a great time like whatever i've seen it all i've done it all i'm i'm 18 years old i know everything so drop the acid and we're in the parking lot and i'm like this is kind of cool there's like people selling t-shirts and jewelry and pipes and grilled cheese and burritos and beers for a dollar and whatever i'm like ah whatever fucking hippie land it's whatever kind of cool Go into the show and I walk into the forum in LA and there's all these people with dreadlocks and tie-dye and girls with these long little house on the prairie print dresses. And I'm like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? And I'm starting to come on and things are starting to get kind of plastic and weird and trippy and melty. And I'm starting to like open up a little bit and I'm like, oh shit, am I going to go to that place that me and Apple have been going to with all these people around? Oh, and then the lights go down and the band takes the stage and there's this roar inside the forum in LA that like when a band that everybody loves takes the stage there's this oceanic wave crashing roar that happens and it went through my body like a like a lightning bolt and I'm like oh shit and I hear the first couple notes from Garcia's guitar and I'm like uh oh 
I think I might be in for a surprise. And standing there with my mohawk and my misfit t-shirt and my combat boots and they start playing feel like a stranger and i'm like how the fuck do they know how i feel and that entire night played out like a play from the inside of my head portrayed on a screen that was the reality that was uh, i was in for the night everything that happened would happen inside my head and then happen outside I remember at one point trying to like, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here, starting to freak out and looking for the door and hearing Bobby say, there's no use to be looking for that door. And I'm like, how do they know what's going on? Now, years later, I know that wasn't the lyric, but fuck, that's what I heard. So that's what happened. God damn it. And I just remember being scared to dance and like getting over the anxiety of myself and finally letting go during drums in space and feeling that flow of that sonic motion coming through me as it grabbed me from like the bottom of the tip of my big toenail and all the way to the tip of every hair on the top of my head started making me move and at first I'm trying to fight it and I'm starting to spin I'm like no I can't let this happen everybody's gonna see me dance everybody's gonna see me move and then finally I open up my eyes and I'm fucking moving and I'm dancing I'm like what the hell's going on and I'm spinning around and there's all these hippie girls around me with their skirts and the skirts are opened up and I'm fucking I'm tripping out and everything's melting but it's not and the music's playing exactly what's happening in my head and oh my god this is a great experience I've ever had in my life and where are my friends and god I need something to drink and I gotta get the fuck out of here but this is beautiful and what's happening and so that's the whole night right I by by the way lost my friends as soon as I got in the show they ditched me show ends with a, it's all over now baby blue and guys I gotta tell you I was done that was it for me like I felt like everything that my buddy and I had been doing in his room was, I I had been a fool, like, the cat was out of the bag, everybody knew it was going, well not everybody, but everybody here, this place, knew what was going on, and I have all these people that understand how I think in this trippy thing that we do, and it's kind of like being in a secret society without a fucking handshake. It's a mental handshake, kind of, because the music plays the band, as we all know, and it, it's one of those things that you just can't explain to somebody. You try and play the dead for somebody that's never been to a show, and they're like, what is this country bullshit? Just like I was at that time. So the show ends. It's all over now. Baby Blue and the lights come on, and the crowd starts to mill out as they're moving their way out of the show. And there are my buddies standing right there, hugging me and laughing and giving me hugs and saying, right on, brother, welcome to the family. And it was a really mind-blowing experience. I, I can think of a few experiences in my life that have informed the person that I am today. And one of them was getting married. One of them was having my kids. And the other was that first Grateful Dead concert. And... From that night, I was never the same. Now, I went back to Vegas after that, trying to show my friends, everybody, I wanted to spread this like I was on fire. I was like one of those tent revival meeting preachers at that point, like, y'all got to listen to the Grateful Dead. But if you know how that goes, like, 
Ain't nobody listening to that shit. Nobody's going to listen to you, especially when you're like this fucking tent revival zealot idiot that is still wet behind the ears. Like, I just wanted my friends on the bus. I wanted everybody with me, man. I wanted everybody to experience what I experienced because it was the most beautiful, awesome thing I had ever been involved in. And it took years to pull my friend Apple to a show. When they played in Vegas, then he finally went. And I remember looking over at him during Drums in Space as he's spinning around thinking, thank God my buddy finally got it. But after that show, that started the long, strange trip. I went back to Vegas Sold a bunch of my shit, bought a school bus, learned how to do tattoos, and went on the road and followed the band from mm, the beginning of 1990 until about the end of 91. So that's how I got on the bus, as they say. If you saw us back then, we had a big blue school bus, said Magic Bus on the front. We did tattoos in the lots. So, hey, to any of you out there that remember us. So there's a lot more to the story than that, but I get, I wanted to give you guys a background on how I got into the dead and, and a little bit of the psychedelic backstory. Now, I'm not getting into any of the spiritual implications of the psychedelic experience in this little intro. I know there's those of you out there that really feel strongly about the sacrament side of it, that really feel strongly that it should never be done recreationally. It should only be done in the proper set and setting. It should only be done under the guidance of, you know, uh, a qualified trip sitter. And I agree with you guys wholeheartedly, but I also completely disagree with you. So for the intent and purpose of this, we're just talking about our experiences with music and psychedelics I'm not getting into what happened with my Atman that night and how my light body left and how I saw the silver cord. I'm not getting into any of that shit. So please don't think that I don't understand that. I want you guys to know we're, we're all on the same page here. Just trying to keep it light, trying to keep it fun. Because Jesus Christ, God knows we, can need, we need a little more fun and a little more light. So next I'm going to have one of my other roommates come and talk to you guys. And thanks for listening to my story. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being out there and receiving my auditory vibration into your ear hole. And I hope you have a beautiful, grateful day. So there's the first episode. Hope you dug it. If you guys really liked it and you want to help support us, man, go and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you can leave reviews for us. Check out our webpage. We got stuff going on there. Uh, we got uh, our Twitter, which is at No Simple Road, our Instagram, at No Simple Road. And then because it takes money to live in this world and to do stuff like this, if you want us to continue doing episodes and you like what we're doing, you can help support us at Patreon. Our Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash no simple road. 
And look, man, we're not here trying to beg money from you guys. We get it. We know how things are out there. But it's really cool to be able to do this. And any little bit helps, man. It's a it's a cool thing to help support each other and to help create art and sound and music and talk and podcasts and all the things that we love to to listen to and hang out with. So yeah, that's our bag. And we'll see you in a week with another episode. We're going to have Apple on and you guys will get to meet him. And we got an upcoming interview a couple episodes from now with a musician from California named Tanner Polednik. And we are going to be interviewing some people here from the Portland area in the cannabis scene. And uh, we have a really big interview coming up a few episodes from now. That's a big secret, and you guys will dig it. So thanks for listening, you guys, and we love you. Have a great day. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. Features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.